you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. L. Carol Scott. She is a TEDx speaker, international bestselling author, coach, trainer, keynote speaker. Wow. And she helps to revolutionize success through self-aware, emotional, and social intelligence. Hi, Carol. Welcome to Ideas and Leaders. Hello, Elena. I'm so glad to be here. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about a very interesting topic about relationships and why relationships matter to success. So um, I think that all of our listeners would agree that relationships is one of the most important elements in, in uh, their business life. So why, uh, why do you think that relationships is such an integral thing for, for achieving success? Well, I think, you know, really the heart of the matter is that in everything that we do in life, being successful is about being able to work well with other people, to get along with other people. Relationships aren't just something, they're like the only thing, because without them, we can do very little. And, and I know people like to think that they're kind of loners and they go, you know, they get things done on their own. And if we really sat down and unpacked it, I think they would find that they were leaning on an awful lot of people for that um, sense of doing things on their own my strong professional opinion, as well as my personal one, you can tell. Um, so I really think that if, you know, anyone who wants to be successful in business, anyone who wants to be successful, particularly as an entrepreneur, needs a really solid foundation under them. And it really literally is like something to stand on, if you will, an emotional and social foundation that they were supposed to gain in the first seven years of life, but may not have. Most of us did not. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this foundation. So when our re- those relationship strategies are actually developed. So you say the first seven years of our life, right? Yes. There's a there's sort of a graduated several years at a time process going on. Um, one of the things that's really important for for us to know as leaders is that when we were born, we did not have a brain. We had skulls full of neurons that were not connected to each other, except to the extent that they were set up to receive sensory input. So after that, all of the sensory input, all of our experiences of the world around us started wiring those neurons together, bringing them together to record the experiences that we had emotionally and interpersonally and socially and physically. And so everything we tasted, touched, heard, uh, sensed in any way, uh, even to the extent of our sense of balance, you know, your vestibular sensing system. You can think beyond the five basic ones that you tend to learn in school and think of all the ways that your body receives information from the world. Well, all that incoming data wired your brain up. That mostly happens by age three. 85% of the human brain is wired from birth to three. Then from three to five, you finish that off. So it's a like a five-year uh, finishing process, but that's 95, it goes from 85% to 95% finished in two years. 
Then the way I like to explain it is, you know, when you think in terms of the child development plan for us as a species is, okay, now you have a brain, you're five years old, you have a brain, and we're going to let you understand things logically now. You're going to start to be able to look at the world of cause and effect and how things go together in logical ways in the world. And you get about two years to kind of practice this, how to use this brain in the world with people. You're six, seven years old now. You got relationships with people outside your family. You're going to practice your personality. And by the time you're seven, you're, you're pretty much cooked as how you're going to get along with other people. You've practiced all the strategies you're going to use. Maybe the seven I like to help people uh, recapture, but mostly you've captured maladaptive strategies. You've learned to be a bully. You've learned to be codependent. Um, you've learned to be manipulative in some way. Instead of asking for what I want, um, I try to back you into a corner where you kind of have to offer it. <laughs> Those kind of strategies, they'll work for a minute interpersonally and, and people will get tired of them. You can't run a company acting like that for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, of course we are speaking about uh, you know, us as adults, but uh, what you're saying immediately gets me thinking about uh, about parenting strategies. So what do you think we can do as parents for our children up to age of seven to actually make sure that they will have healthy relationships with others? That is the best question to ask somebody like me. And the truth is, it's exactly the same thing you need to do for yourself. It's been a while since some of us have been on an airplane, but it's becoming, again, a more common thing to do. So you remember what the flight attendant always tells you, in the case of an emergency, when the oxygen masks drop, you put your mask on first before you help your child. So you do this work, you do your development do-overs, you gain these, this kind of self-awareness and these success strategies for your own interpersonal world. And you will be also helping your child at the same time. And you'll be better prepared to continue to help them. I can't teach. I was a teacher at the beginning of my career for about the first 10 years and a teacher and director in preschool programs. I can't teach children things. I don't know. I can't. They can learn things uh, by accident in my presence, <laughs> but I can't, I really cannot, especially social and interpersonally, if I can't model it for kids, they're not going to learn it from me. And so we really, you know, come put your oxygen mask on first. Yes. Yes. So let, should we talk about what those seven success strategies are? What should we be doing with people as uh, interpersonal relationship Strategies. Yeah, yeah. So th this is uh, like the, the the core of of what uh, I wanted to discuss with you. So what we can actually do to get over of some of the things that went wrong in this up to the age of seven, and can we do it? Is it possible to reverse some of the things? You bet, absolutely. And I don't care how old you are or how really terrible your childhood was. You know, like I I reveal to people pretty quickly, I come out of a childhood of multiple traumatic experiences, seven of the 10 that are kind of recognized as the scale of, we call them adverse childhood experiences. So yeah, if you've had a few adverse childhood experiences, you're definitely going to need to do some development do-overs because your brain got wired with some bad inputs. You got bad data coming in. 
So you have some bad wiring and we need to change your patterns of behavior that you developed out of that bad wiring so you can change your wiring. I'm in the behavior change business. That's what I help people do. So what I want you to do, Elena, is think of these in terms of strategies, ways in which you interact with people that are helpful to relationships. So the first one is you, you trust them. You trust that they will meet some of your needs. And that's the nuance that most people don't think of when they think about trust. They think that trust is a, you either trust someone or you don't trust them. You turn it on, you turn it off. And they're, I don't know that they're really sure what it means to just make the decision. They just know that they trust somebody or they don't trust them. But the truth is the infant, the newborn infant comes into the world with the strategy of trusting people to take care of it because it can't take care of itself. The human infant is totally dependent. And so if we could notice what we need from people and notice how people meet our needs, we can transform the relationship we have with them. So that's number one. What is trust as a strategy in your life right now? And how can we do some development do-overs on that? The second one is independence. And this is the success strategy of the toddler. You know, I just, I just invite you as I go through these seven to think about children you know at these ages, and it will make perfect sense to you why I chose these words independence for the toddler um, is the time in our lives when we learn to express who we are as a unique human being. And I codify that. I sort of encapsulate that as three things. It's what you think, your ideas. It's what you feel, your emotions, which at that time really are mostly in, felt in your body and what you want. What, what makes you go, oh, that <laughs> makes you point at things and get excited and say, oh yeah, give me that. I want that. That shiny little piece of gum foil on the carpet is so exciting. I need it. So there's needs. You just came through infancy, needing things from people, needing to be fed, needing to have your diaper changed and trusting they would do it. And now you're independently expressing what you think and what you want and what you feel. And the people around you are going, wow, look at you, you're so cool. Look at this unique little being who wants and needs and feels things. Or they're saying, oh, honey, don't feel like that. No, that's that. don't say those things. That means you're a bad person. Don't think that. No, don't want that. Ooh, that's gross. Don't touch that. So some kids get a lot of don't be who you are messages. And some kids get, we love who you are messages. You know, they get like applauded and enjoyed for their, their parents light up over who they are. And some parents say, oh, no, that's unacceptable who you are. And so depending on how you come through that period, maybe you're capable of a great deal of asserting what you want, talking about what you think and what you feel in your role now as a leader. Or you came through that period with the need to manipulate people, be codependent. This is where a lot of those kind of really maladaptive behaviors come from because you don't have any way to to address what you need, what you want, what you think, what you feel. Yes, yes. I think that especially in this uh, addressing what you said, I can notice a lot of behaviors among women as a communication coach and working with women who, for example, who tend not to speak up, not to be too confident. And it right. comes from their childhood when uh, exactly. parents used to say, be quiet. Uh, you have to, you know, be, be silent, be quiet, be nice and polite. And maybe when boys, when they're being loud, they're being praised for, for this kind of behavior. 
So I think that this, uh, it happens quite a lot. So you mentioned the two things that we trust people uh, mm-hmm. as children, that we are independent. Yeah. We so, have an independent identity. We know who we are. We know what we, yeah, know we, know we, what we think, we know what we want, and we know how we feel. And then want uh, for the third one, and these three things together, I think of as the heart of who we are. It's like, this is, this is the unique person you bring to the world that is nobody else and nobody else can be other than you. Um, and that is what I call faith, which is that you're able to want things with great passion, adoration, with commitment, with you want to change the world and you feel strongly about it. The thing that it's like the energy that drives your life or the thing that makes you get out of bed in the morning, the thing that's really, really important to you that when somebody says to you, what's the meaning of life or what's the purpose of life? That's what you talk about. And kids, when they're three, that's why this one goes with three years old three-year-olds, that's their creative, imaginative life. So this is also your ability to imagine, to dream, to play and pretend. This makes you a fun person when you're a grown-up. <laughs> um, you, can, you can be playful with people and not cross the line and get creepy. You, you know how to really have fun. Um, you're, you're usually, if you have really gotten this success strategy under your belt as a three-year-old, you've kind of like got a solid hold on it, you're probably the person at the office who plans the parties (laughs) because you know how to have a good time. So, um, but bringing that kind of fun and playfulness and imagination, particularly to entrepreneurial thinking for a leader, if you can't let go of your hold on reality as you define it in a, you know, four square box and play and imagine what could be, it's going to put some pretty short sights on your, endeavors. So trust, independence, faith. And it's something people feel a little uncomfortable with that term, but think of it as the ability to believe. It's whatever is under religion and all the other things we believe. It's beyond religious faith. It's the faith in things unseen, no matter how you define that. Okay, then, you know, that's a three-year-old and that's a three-year-old in a nutshell, faith in things unseen. And then comes the four-year-old strategy, which is negotiation, getting what you want. And it's the kind of getting what you want where you learn not to step on other people if you do it right. You learn how to have win-win solutions in your negotiations. You recognize, you begin to recognize that other people have things that they want and you start working at getting what you want in the context of the fact that other people need to get what they want. And four-year-olds do this. You can watch a room full of four-year-olds if you're lucky enough to be a a person who gets to stand around in rooms full of four-year-olds. You can watch them do it with each other. And sometimes you can watch them start to turn into bullies. Um, And so one of the most popular threats uh, in the four-year-old classroom is, if you do that, you can't come to my birthday party. (laughs) And that is, for me, when I hear that, I'm like, well, there's the birth of relationship as power. (laughs) Your relationship with me has power. Your connection to me has power. I am going to use it against you. I'm going to take it away if you don't do what I want. Well, what's probably happened for that kid? They have felt like, the, the love that the ways do them from the adults in their lives was conditional. It could be taken away unless they did a certain kind of, unless they behaved a certain kind of way. So the, the crap rolls downhill, unfortunately. That's why put your oxygen mask on first is always my advice. So negotiation comes after faith, then vision. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a five-year-old. 
So vision is, is about goal setting. It's about having a plan, um, but it's about having a plan and a goal in a way that uh, engages and roles other people. And this is so important for a leader. It isn't just about saying, I have a goal, follow me. It's about saying, I have a goal, lead the way. <laughs> Show us where to go, right? So um, I think what we really want to do as leaders, as entrepreneurs, is to enroll people in a vision bigger than they've ever seen before so that they will get excited along with us and do it. And what you, how, how this manifests in a preschool classroom or a pre-K classroom is a group of kids planning how to play. And I love that that's the model that I use for it because, you know, it could be like that for us adults. We could be a room full of people who didn't take ourselves so dang seriously and we could play around uh, the play, play around what we're playing, talk about what we're playing, you know, and so you can see little kids planning to, you know, we're all going to pretend to be these characters from this movie that we know, and we're going to act this out and they stand there and like write the script out loud, you know, then you're going to come in and we're going to get in the spaceship and we're going to go over here. And then what if this happened? And they, they're like collaborators, little teams of collaborators inventing together. And that's what vision is about. Okay, so now you've like spent a few years, you got your heart of you, you got your trust, your independence, your faith. You've spent a couple of years learning how to get along in little groups. You've learned how to negotiate to get what you want, enroll people in your vision. And now it's time to go full on into community. And so now you're a pretty big grown up kid. You're like in first, second grade, six, seven years old, and you need the strategies of compromise and acceptance. And in compromise, you start realizing that all of that negotiating, it only goes so far. And then there are going to be times when you're going to have to make values decisions. Um, and for both uh, acceptance and compromise, I think this is what's so crucial for us as leaders is it is about values-based decision-making. Um, if I'm going to say, well, the 12 things I want and the 15 things you want for this deal aren't all going to come to pass. That's a lot of expectation. So we're probably going to have to trim it down to about five or six things a piece at least. What are my values that are going to help me trim my list of 12 down to a list of five? What are your values? Are we operating from the same values base? Are you making your decisions based on values that are very, very different from mine? Is that important? The conversation gets to be more sophisticated. And remember, I said, this is the age where kids start to be logical, six and seven. They finally get to the point where they understand that the world has some logical framework to it, some basic structures that you can predict things. And they never knew that before, that everything was very magical. It was like, wow, <laughs> they used to think they made it happen. I have a, a child in my life right now and she is about to turn three. No, she's about to turn four. And she said to her grandmother, why is that happening? And her grandmother said, what? She said, I'm blinking my eyes and the clouds are moving. I'm moving the clouds with my eyes when I blink them. And that's a very very normal thing for a four-year-old, three, four-year-old age kid to think because they don't understand the logic of clouds and how they move and every, they make everything happen. <laughs> it's dangerous to tell them that they make you feel certain things because they'll believe you. All right. So there we are. You know, you get to this place now where you have to say, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to give up some of what I want. And I'm going to do that based on my values. And I'm going to expect that the other people around me are going to be able to do that as well. And then I'm going to have to accept that sometimes all these great ways of getting along with other people, they don't work. I have to accept the fact that things fall apart. Life goes up and down still. 
it's a roller coaster. I will be at the bottom as well as at the top sometimes. And I can be really good and follow all the rules and improve myself and be always trying to be the best person I can be. And somebody might not like me. Something bad might happen to me. I might get robbed. You know, little kids at a surprisingly young age have to accept the fact that bad things happen to good people. And even harder for a kid to understand is that good things happen for bad people. It's like, how can that be? You're a bad person. You're mean all the time. And you're like getting this award. What? Um, and it's just as disgusting for an adult to face the same thing in someone around them. So acceptance is the last one. Just the acceptance that life is, oops, what it is. I'm banging on the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those um, seven strategies. So we have trust, independence, faith, negotiation, vision, compromise, and acceptance. And uh, I think that it is so fascinating that we can learn so much about leadership already in our early years. But yes. what if something goes wrong and some of those elements were kind of, we learned some of those elements wrong because of the, our environment, because of our parents, because of uh, our school teachers, whatever. But uh, we know that we need to fix certain elements. Is it possible? And how can we do it? The, the process I offer in my coaching and through my writing is what I call development do-overs. And yes, it is possible. We have to unpack the bag that you brought with you out of those first few years and see what's in it. And one of the ways that's easiest to do that, because most of that, you know, it's like those first three years, none of us remember them at all. And the fourth year, you might have a few memories, but they're pretty hazy. And mostly they're probably based on photographs you've seen in an album. So a lot of the time that you were developing as an individual, you weren't, you don't have any memory of. So what we do is look at who you are now. What, what is the way that you interact with people now around trusting them? And so we have to take a look then at what do you need? And you begin to discover things like, I have no idea what I need. <laughs> That's always a shocker when people get to that one. What need things? No, I, I can't. I have no idea. Or we make an easy list of the things that you need. And then when we list the people who are in your life, who can meet your needs, who can be there for those needs, you don't have anybody. You keep listing me. I do that. I meet that need. I meet it for myself. I'm the one who's meeting all my needs. And that's a good pattern to learn about and change as a behavior pattern. That's just behavior because you can find other people. If you have a need to uh, give you a specific example, I personally in my life have a need for someone to occasionally kick me into awareness when I am blinding myself to what I need to see, when I'm kind of being an idiot in my life, it is helpful to have a loving friend say, wake up, Carol, open your eyes. Do you not see what you are doing here? <laughs> Come on, walk with me through this. Um, and I really value that kind of friend. They're rare. And so if I don't have that, I still have the need for it. So who's doing that for me? I better pay a therapist pretty soon if I don't have a friend doing it, because I'm going to go astray if I don't get that the kind of stuff corrected. So, but until I could recognize and write down this is something I need. I need someone who lovingly kicks me in the rear when I need it. Um, I need someone who will be physically close to me, will hug me, will sit close to me and watch television, who isn't a sexual partner, just somebody to really like the cuddling part of life. That's a need. I think everyone has it. I don't mind admitting it. I have a need to be told that I did a good job. 
to you know get the pat on the head, the good girl. Um, I don't like it to be a pat on the head with a good girl anymore. That's quite condescending, and it is to a child as well, by the way. But I do love people who who will come up to me and say, "Oh my gosh, your book changed my life," or "Thank you so much for what you said when you gave the talk." Because, um, and so that's okay with me. I don't mind admitting that I need a pat on the head. Everybody does. And I think what I, I guess maybe the biggest part is that I normalize neediness for people who are struggling with trust as a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we can actually do kind of uh, this audit for ourselves and go through those strategies and see if we are able to trust people if we we are able to to express our needs and uh, uh, maybe about this faith element so can we be play, playful and can we use our imagination freely mm-hmm. or we are kind of we tend to be serious and uh, we can find some of those uh, some of those elements that we still we can work on so do you think that we can actually work on those elements ourselves or do we need someone to work on or can we do something uh, on our own yes if you if you're the do-it-yourself type i have something for you i have two things actually and i'd like to offer all your listeners this gift it's a little i call it a book et it's a tiny book only 28 pages cover to cover it's a little pdf Um, and if they send me an email, carol at lcarolscott.com, and tell me in the subject line uh, that you heard it on Elena's broadcast, I will send the PDF back to you. It gives you a, like a very short description of each of the success strategies, how it's developed at the early childhood age that you are intended to get it, and then kind of a list of diagnostic questions that kind of ask you to look at your life. What What is this like for you right now? How, how would you answer these questions? That little intro then can lead you to my first book, which is called Just Be Yourself, Your Guide to Improving Any Relationship. Now, the tricky part is when I wrote that book way back in 2017-18, I was not calling them the self-aware success strategies. I was calling them something else. Oops. So the book is about something it's called the seven childhood treasures, and that's the same thing seven social and emotional capacities that you need as an adult. And I just have found that calling them success strategies for adults is more interesting to people than calling them childhood treasures. Like, yeah, childhood, meh, doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah, well, it made you who you are. Your first seven years made you who you are. So they're crucial to you um, to do, to really take a strong look at them and decide whether you have do-overs you need to do. Great, great. Thank you so much for offering this to our listeners. Uh, I will definitely put uh, the the link and and your email under our episode so that our listeners can reach out for uh, for this ebook. I think that uh, it is really great to know that we can change something that uh, maybe went a little bit wrong in different direction in childhood because very often people are kind of afraid to do this they don't mm-hmm. want to to do this but uh, it affects our relationships and it affects our success so thank you so much for sharing this and i think that it is such an important message to our listeners that yes we can work on it and uh, there are certain strategies on how we can do this Uh, so, Carol, if our listeners want to to contact you, 
we have your email. So are you on social media and where else can we find you? Uh, you do you have uh, the website? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way to start is with the website, lcarolscott.com. There are links to all my social media channels there. I've been ramping up my YouTube channel with some really great content, short 10 minute ish videos and some little shorter bits starting to show up there too. So that's a great place to learn, to learn more if you want to. Great, great. Perfect. We'll put all the links under this episode. Thank you so much, Carol. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.